Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 132nd video cast, 122nd podcast for the week ending April 29th, 2022. A lot to cover this week, so grab your pen and paper because there is going to be more information packed into a shorter period of time than we've done ever before. Uh, first off, I want to start with the media. Thanks to Ellie Terrett, Cheryl Cassoni, and Liz Clayman for having me on the Clayman Countdown yesterday. Uh, we were talking GDP. Many of you uh, saw that we had a negative GDP print, negative 1.4% first read for Q1. The fear out there is obviously two consecutive quarters of negative GDP equals a recession. I don't think we're going to have that just yet. Uh, the reality is the most of the decline, about 4.5% of that GDP decline, uh, came as a result of shrinking inventories, uh, a record U.S. trade deficit. This was timing of the shipments based on the supply chain backups and reduced government spending, which was largely attributable to defense spending. Everyone knows that defense spending is uh, going to rise exceptionally uh, over the next few quarters, particularly with Russia, Ukraine, NATO. The trend is going to reverse a multi-year low uh, both in the U.S. and uh, internationally. That's why we've liked defense as a theme for some time. We continue to like that. Um, the other thing that uh, came out of that report, consumer spending rose at 2.7% after inflation. That was the highest in three quarters. And business investment jumped 7.3%. So there was a lot of positive in that GDP report. Uh, better measure is to look at final sales to U.S. consumers. That strips out exports and inventories. And, uh, and that was over 2.6%. But uh, the point I, I laid out to Cheryl is that uh, earnings are the name of the game, okay? The generals of the market largely held up. Apple was strong. Microsoft was strong. Uh, uh, Google was very strong, actually. Google uh, only missed on YouTube 10% uh, of the estimate, $600 million, because of the Russia-Ukraine war. They lost YouTube revenues in Eastern Europe is what Ruth Porat said. Uh, they're going to buy back 70% billion of stock over the next year. So um, uh, all in all, they were good. Apple was very strong. Amazon was weak. We'll talk more about Amazon, but Amazon basically was, um, they missed on revenues, but they've spent more on CapEx in the last 24 months than in the previous decade. So they overspent to catch up to the COVID demand, which really helped out the country. Now they've got a rationalized cost. It's slowing things down. They're getting organized. They're catching their breath. They're digesting it. They bit off more than they could chew. But the e-tailing and the CapEx, that was a headache and it missed expectations and guidance was not good. But uh, cloud was still up 37%. That's huge for that business. The ad business was okay. So I wouldn't count Amazon out c completely. But uh, lower conviction than some of these that have, uh, you know, Facebook increased their uh, daily active users, the market like that. Today, by the way, if you're wondering, this is a big end of quarter sell-off. Uh, there was a lot of turmoil this quarter in case you haven't noticed and people just uh, clean their books at the end of the quarter. I think what you're going to find, not at the end of the quarter, at the end of the month, I think what you're going to find is as we get into next week, we're going to see what's what uh, moving forward. And we'll talk about some indicators that we're looking at. But to Cheryl, the name of the game was earnings over 230. Uh, that's up from 225 just uh, four, you know eight weeks ago. And if you remember, we've been talking since the beginning of the year. We we thought earnings, as a matter of fact, the end of last year when they were at 219, we said they're going to get to 2. 
230 in Q1. Well, we're just one month past Q1 and we just hit 230 this week. So we'll talk about that. Uh, for all of the um, uh, kind of fear in the market, sentiment is completely washed out. We'll talk about that. Um, earnings are still going to grow 10.9% year on year. And if you look at 2021, the S&P peaked at 4,800. Uh, you had 10, 10.9% earnings on that. You're looking, you, we could see a peak in the S&P over 5,000, 5,100, 5,200. That is non-consensus right now before we have to worry about the real recession, which I think comes next year on a lagged basis. We did invert the curve this quarter. So uh, I would expect a shallow recession in 2023, but I don't think we're going to get one right now. Uh, if the facts change, we'll change our mind. But uh, this GDP report, I think, was, uh, was more noise than signal. Um, this, the other thing that we have to keep in mind is the Fed may use this um, noise as an excuse to not go so fast. I do think 50, 50 basis points is hiked in. I do think the market's jittery about that meeting next week. So that may be a lot of what you saw with the sell-off going into the weekend. Um, but we'll get through that meeting. 50 is expected. We'll probably get 50. The question is going to be, uh, do they go 75? And people are worried about that in the following meeting. I think they're going to talk that down and they can use the GDP number one and the core CPE came in today lower than expected. We've been talking about peak inflation. Uh, Yellen said that we may be at peak inflation. Uh, Secretary of the Treasury, she used to be uh, Fed chair, as many of you know. Um, uh, we could certainly be at peak inflation uh, based on those uh, CPE numbers today. And uh, we're going to go through a bunch of commodities in this call. Um, you know, 80% beat rate on the bottom line, 70% on the top line. City Economic Surprise Index hit 70, which was its highest read in over a year. Uh, factory activity was up. Uh, and sentiment, which we'll talk about, completely washed out. Every time we've got sentiment that low on the AAII in the past 30 years, uh, six, six months later, the S&P is up 12.5%. Uh, 12 months later, it's up 20%. That's compliments of Ryan Dietrich over at LPL, hat tip. And um, so what to buy, she asked me. We, we, like, we still like value tech here. We do think GDP is slowing. There's no question about that. We do think if we're at or near peak inflation, you're going to start to see the rate of change in yields. Uh, yields have not moved in the past couple of weeks, and they even came in a little bit, and then they popped up a little bit today. I think that's some month-end uh, nonsense and maybe a little bit with the inflation noise. But when you look at Facebook trading at 14 times forward, Intel trading at 12 and a half, and I know Intel, they keep disappointing. They're like Boeing, but Boeing is a duopoly. They're, they're probably going to have to change management again. The guys, I mean, they're just a clown show over there. But as you saw in earnings, obviously their supply chain impacts and everything else, but it just seems like mistake after mistake after mistake. They almost need to bring in someone from the military to run the damn thing because they don't, know, they don't seem to know what they're doing. Uh, it could just be time, but like, how can you screw up a business that you have no competition? I mean, all they have is Airbus. Airbus is sold out. Like, if they could just stop screwing up, they would have more orders than they would know what to do with. So... Uh, if this guy doesn't figure out how to stop screwing up, they'll get someone in who does and the stock will be back up. But we know if you look out three to five years, this is back over 400, 400 plus. Why? Because again, it's a duopoly. Is travel demand going up or down? Is the global middle class increasing or decreasing? In the developed world, it's uh, stagnant. In the developing world, 
it's growing in leaps and bounds. And that's what we're looking at is the aggregate. Um, Taiwan Semi, I like some of these semis. I mean, Taiwan Semi's guidance was a little bit weak, but their earnings were strong and they're only trading at 14 times forward. The market's trading at 18.6, which is in line now with the five-year average. So that multiple has come in meaningfully. And Google, 17.6 uh, times. Again, uh, going to grow. Taiwan Semi's, by the way, trading at 14 times, going to grow at 20% a year for the next five years. Google's grown at 17% year. It's trading at 17, uh, 17 times, lower than the market multiple. I mean, really on a bad investment accounting and on $600 million on YouTube, they picked up shorts. They'll, they'll, you know, TikTok is growing like a weed. And by the way, you should check out our TikTok channel. That's growing like a weed too. I think we picked up 2,000 followers in the last few weeks. I've got this guy, uh, Presley, uh, here in town who listened to our uh podcast video cast and uh you know we met for breakfast and he's been doing an unbelievable job on the marketing side check out at official hedge fund tips on twitter we, he puts out tons of amazing clips it's a quick way to just keep uh, up to date with everything that's going on um but instagram reels is growing their viewers their views to compete with tiktok 30 billion views instagram reels in Q1, which is four times greater than, than uh, uh, the previous period. So Mark Zuckerberg is catching up to TikTok. Um, uh, YouTube is figuring out with YouTube shorts. So TikTok will keep growing like a weed, but these are going to grow as well. And I think people are underestimating because uh, creators are just going to post across all of them. So I wouldn't count value tech out. I don't want those companies that are trading um, uh, with, with no earnings uh, that have just been hammered because they're still trading at 10 and 20 times sales. As a matter of fact, unfortunately, we couldn't get it done in time. But um, Carter, um, uh, my junior analyst intern, he was putting them together and he said that in the last 60 days, if you take the top 30 weights of the ARK Innovation ETF, the uh, aggregate earnings power of those top 30 uh, companies was down 40% in the last 60 days. Uh, we're not posting that yet because I told him you need to triple and quadruple uh, check that before you post it. But they're down, they're down meaningfully and they didn't have a lot of earnings power to start with. And we want to avoid that in the short term. I think they're going to get a bounce as rates stop going up and uh, the, the sentiment is so pessimistic on them. But uh, I don't know what a bottom is for a company trading at 30 or 40 or 50 times sales based on promises in the future. You know, is it a, is it a bargain at 13 times sales with no earnings? I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, so I just don't play the game. Uh, going back to uh, my friend Tiho said, errors of omission versus commission. Omission is okay. Take a pass, wait for the fat pitch, stay in your lane. Commission is chasing something that's outside of your area of expertise, and then it's on you if it's, if it's, a, uh, if it's a strikeout. Um, okay, so moving right along. Um, we have... Okay, so thanks again to Ellie and Cheryl Cassoni and Liz Clayman. Moving right along, we were on Yahoo Finance on Monday. Uh, want to thank Taylor Clothier and Dave Briggs, Brad Smith, and Rochelle Akufo for having me on. 
Uh, it was supposed to be all about the stock market. The Twitter deal was announced uh, literally two minutes before I got on. The producer's in my ear. She goes, uh, can we switch gears and just talk about Twitter? I'm like, uh, sure, no problem. So we did that very lively and animated. Great questions from David and, and uh, Brad on this one. Definitely check that out if you're interested in Elon Musk, Twitter, Tesla, etc. Um, then I want to thank, uh, this one was funny. Uh, this was Michael Tish and uh, Kinsey Grant over at public.com. It's like a Robin Hood. It's an online brokerage. And they have a lot of good guests on. And um, uh, Kinsey was obviously not a big fan of Elon Musk, and I obviously was. So it was an animated interview, uh, very respectful and fun. Love to uh, talk to her again. Uh, asked some really sharp and pointed questions, but I loved one of the reviewers on this uh, YouTube clip that I put up said, uh, you dropped the mic five or six times, congratulations. So like, you know, every kind of arrow that was uh, tossed at uh, Elon Musk and, and buying Twitter, I kind of laid out some reasons that we thought it made a lot of sense. So definitely check that out only if you like Elon Musk. Uh, but thanks to uh, Kinsey and Michael, because if you don't like Elon, you're not going to like that interview. I uh, also want to thank, uh, thank Ali Thompson and Alicia Nieves uh, over at Cheddar for having me on the show to talk about Microsoft and, uh, uh, and uh, Google Alphabet's earnings. Uh, we we kind of just covered the Alphabet's earnings. Microsoft just hit on all cylinders. Their cloud was up, I think, 46% Azure, uh, and, and they're just cooking, so you can watch that. Then I want to thank, this was a busy week, gosh. All right, uh, Bansari, Kamdar, David Randall, Herb Lash, and Lewis uh, Krauskopf. Uh, we were talking ahead of earnings. There's a lot of anxiety ahead of earnings because if they don't hold up, there's nothing left to hold up the market. And that's exactly the case. The generals had to come to bat, and they did, believe it or not, despite this short-term, uh, you know, hype uh, craziness about Amazon. Uh, you know, Apple was the most important thing. Great. Microsoft, Google, uh, Facebook, huge, huge uh, 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 saves. And I think we're going to start to see the benefits of that sometime next week. Uh, then also uh, Herb Lash for including me as an article on Friday, market was down last Friday also. Um, uh, everyone thought it was about something about the Fed. It was actually about the French election with Le Pen. She did not get elected, so Frexit was off the table, and the market kind of relaxed after that. A couple quotes to get us started. Uh, this one is, it couldn't be more appropriate from Charlie Munger. The wise ones bet heavily when the world offers them opportunity. They bet big when they have the odds, and the rest of the time, they just don't. It's that simple. And I think what we're coming into right now with China is we've got big odds. We've been talking about it for a lot. We got a huge break overnight. Uh, China, um, um, uh, they basically said, we're going to support the platform companies. We're going to throw all the stimulus at it. We're going to meet with the U.S. regulators about the listings. We'll go through some of these things in just a minute. Uh, and all of them were up pre-market, uh, you know, 12%, 13%. Baba was over $100. I think it closed up 7% despite the fact the U.S. indices were just puking out. And I think the only reason that they closed up, obviously the, good, the news was good. I just don't think there was any, any shares left to sell. I think all the weekends have sold out of it. Uh, so, uh, so they couldn't close it down no matter how much they tried. It closed up uh, 7%. Um, here's from Buffett, no matter how great the talent efforts, 
no matter how great the talent or effort, some things just take time. You can't produce a baby in one month by making nine women pregnant from Warren Buffett. So uh, uh, it might be a little dated of a quote, but it makes the point. And I think we've all experienced that in the last couple of months with Baba. And I think now the tide is turning and it's turning very, very fast. And we're happy about that. As a matter of fact, I put out a joke about this. Um, here it is. Okay, <laughs> this is funny. After consulting with his technical analyst, Xi Jinping, chief market technician, just wanted to make sure he, quote, filled the gap before running the stock up. So uh, if you remember last week or the week before, I said, we, you know, worst case, we have to go back and fill this gap before uh, it takes off. And <laughs> we literally filled it to the T. And then a day or two later, he announces all this thing. It traded right back up above 100, you know, closed up in, in the mid-90s. But we're, we're, we're off, back off to the races, and it's based on the policy. So uh, who knew Xi Jinping had his uh, CMT designation? That's the CFA for technical analysts. And uh, sure enough, he filled it to the T and then, then uh, made the announcements and, and ran it off. I, I'm, I'm half joking, but, you know... <laughs> All right, so uh, moving right along, where were we? So some of these things just take time, In, and, and many of you have been patient, and, and we're going to get rewarded for that for sure. Individuals who cannot master their emotions are ill-suited to profit from the investment process. Benjamin Graham, uh, those are the people who aren't on the call that didn't make it through, uh, and they sold us their stock down in the 70s, and uh, you know we're sad for them, but that's just the way the market goes. Um, okay, moving on to China news. Censors in China are having a hard time silencing all the rage right now. People have lost their trust in the government. These are some things that were happening ahead of some of these uh, blinks that basically happened overnight. Um, here's from um, uh, the guy who runs the K-Web ETF. PBOC stated to advance the healthy development of the platform economy. That means the tech platforms. The rectification work of large platform companies will be steadily promoted. That came from the PBOC this week. That is a big deal. Uh, the state council, which is similar to Biden's cabinet, named 20 policies to promote consumption, noting that consumer spending accounted nearly for nearly 70% of China's GDP in Q1. Many internet companies are consumer-oriented, as nearly one-third of China retail sales are online. So this is big news that's happening every single day. China tech stocks rebound as Beijing renews policy support. State Council PBOC reinforced support vows after market plunge. This was uh, on uh, earlier in the week. Tech shares had fallen, and uh, sure enough, they came out with that. Uh, 5% slump. All right, we'll get to more of the current stuff now. Uh, here is an NPR Planet Money uh, podcast about China's tech ground tech crackdown, back down, how they've reversed their policy now, and they're starting to ease up on the companies. Uh, this, this was another catalyst earlier in the week. Huya and Douyu began layoffs amid tightening regulations on game live streaming. So 
they're realizing now the effect of all these crackdowns are, are causing them to have a lot of people without jobs who are now angry, locked down, without food, and going to revolt. And unless they turn this thing on the dime, Xi Jinping's not going to be in power by the time November comes. And they panicked last night, and I think he will wind up in power, and he'll wind up in power with a booming stock market in six months with the amount of things that they're doing quickly to shore up the leaking boat that they, by the way, shot the holes in. Um, China lets banks ease financing to distressed developers. Central Bank uh, met with banks, bad debt managers last week. Discussion includes revolving risk, resolving risks of 12 distressed builders. Uh, panic buying in Beijing stores amid lockdown fears. Um, so this just shows earlier in the week what was going on and the pressure on the government. And now we're seeing the results of that. Uh, China wants to reopen factories after COVID lockdowns. They are doing that with round-the-clock sleeping. That's a little bit older. Uh, Xi is trapped by his own China lockdown policy. That's earlier in the week. Uh, everyone knows that. And I think this is the next dam to break. I think he's going to have to blink. And my sense is it's going to be a day in the next few weeks. I could be wrong uh, where they're going to simply say, uh, we've got these generic Paxlovid pills produced. Every building you walk into, you're going to get your temperature taken. If you have a temperature taken, you're going to immediately take the pills that we've, uh, you know, they'll probably send everyone pills, billions of pills. They can do that. Uh, and uh, everyone will have a pill. If you have a fever, you immediately take the pill and you're put into quarantine and everyone goes about their life as normal as the rest of the developed world is doing. Uh, China's central bank seeks to calm markets with support pledge. Uh, okay, that's earlier in the week. Let's get to some of the stuff from overnight. Uh, Xi, uh, China's Xi pushing to beat the U.S. in GDP growth despite COVID lockdowns, topping U.S. economy required to demonstrate superiority of China's one-party system. China leaders tells official, well, they better get to it because they, they uh, are, are not, they are self-inflicted wounds. This is from three days ago. So now there's, you know, they um, had set the target above now they've got to do the policies and the number one policy that they're going to have to do to make this anywhere near a possibility is uh stop the zero covid and that's that's coming next um china's top chipmaker smic has two-thirds of shanghai workers sleeping in factory as lockdown threatens semiconductor supply chain so they're trying to do everything they can china's central bank steps in to slow its rapidly weakening currency that was happening this week as the yuan hits one-year lows uh, that was just two days ago. Uh, the yuan's trumbled by about 3% this month against the dollar. Um, they announced that they would cut the reserve requirement ratio on foreign exchange deposits by one full percentage point to 8% effective May 15th. This move serves as a strong policy signal. The PBOC is getting uncomfortable with the rapid depreciation of the currency, Goldman Sachs analyst Maggie Way said. And on Wednesday, the PPOC uh, set the yuan at 6.55, etc. Moving along, <clears throat> China Xi's announces another infrastructure push to boost growth as COVID drags on. Uh, Xi Jinping called for an all-out effort to construct infrastructure. Proposed projects range from waterways and railways to facilities for cloud computing. The meeting suggests to us that Chinese policymakers have been increasingly aware of the strong growth headwinds from COVID restrictions and continued property downturn and thus becoming more determined to ramp up policy easing measures. Analysts expect more debt will be used to fund the new infrastructure projects, reversing government attempts in recent years to rein in heavy re re resilience on debt for growth. 
So they, they've done this. This happens again. Every few years we cover this, and it's happening again. Now they're throwing the kitchen sink at it. Once they open the doors, you, look, they're basically in a Ferrari. The, gov the government's now realized the Ferrari's not moving. So they've floored the gas, but what they haven't figured out is the car won't go anywhere until you take your foot off the brake and stop the COVID lockdowns. And that, I think, is what we're going to see uh, it's sooner rather than later. I think the pressure is building all these unemployed people from the crackdown. Now with the shutdown, no food, they are going to flip out. And when you got a billion people, if just, you know, a tenth of them flip out, you're toast. So they've got to move. They're trying to move. It may not be fast enough. The only thing that's going to change it is just open the doors, get those generic Paxlovid pills out that they licensed uh, to five of their domestic producers in March. And, uh, and my guess is they're just waiting for that production to be done because they only got the technology six weeks ago. So once they have the pills, they'll probably rock and roll with the whole thing. They should probably use our vaccines too, but leaving that aside, um, you know, that, that it is what it is. Um, Okay, so this is more on the uh, Xi headed the top economic policy team meeting, which resulted in press release promising, quote, all out efforts to support key areas of the economy, uh, strengthen infrastructure construction, uh, sci-fi facilities, water conservancy projects, transport hubs, information infrastructure, that's the cloud, national strategic reserves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Moving along, uh, this was Xi in a bind over who to blame for Xi's COVID outbreak. Well, they manufacture a lot of things in China. I guess mirrors are not one of them. Moving along, Shanghai uses crowdsourcing to survive COVID-19 lockdown as social support breaks down. So look, these people aren't getting food. They're not getting medicine. People are dying because they can't go to the hospital. This is, this is look, <laughs> I, this is the best way that I could explain it, okay? Xi Jinping and the CCP are smoking cigars in the dynamite shed right now. And if they don't put those cigars out and open the doors back up to the economy, they're going to blow the whole damn thing up. So um, they realize that they need to, to floor the gas. They haven't figured out yet. They need to take the foot off the brake. And that's the next step. And I think we're going to darn well see it based on the panic amount of stuff that they're doing to try to salvage things in the face of COVID zero and the uh, unwise decisions they've made to this point. Now, uh, this is how a lockdown Shanghai apartment gets food. Everyone has to become an expert on logistics. So they're all going on social and trying to help each other get food because they can't do it through the lockdown. They're like working as a community. That's all the bad news. Here's some good news from, by the way, this is funny. Here's some good news from Zero Hedge. You don't hear that every day. Uh, anyway, they're, they're good guys over there. I mean, they, they've, they've always been nice to me anyway. So uh, this is the daily new domestic cases in uh, China for COVID. And as you can see, it peaked at 30,000. It got down to 10,000 yesterday. So it looks like our Omicron peak in January, where just as fast as it roll, you know, uh, accelerates exponentially, it crashes just as quickly. And uh, the vast majority of these are asymptomatic. Uh, but this chart is the name of the game. If, they, if this chart can go you know, down to 5,000 or so, I think we're going to see really good things moving forward. Uh, this is a guy who PAG founder Weijian Shan, he runs the largest private equity uh, fund in China, $50 billion dollars. And uh, he says that, you know, he's very optimistic in the long term. He's saying the market 
sentiment towards Chinese stocks is at the lowest point in the past 30 years. I, th I also think popular discontent in China is at the highest point in the past 30 years. So this couldn't be a more perfect environment, guys. If you think about, and gals, if you think about the last 100 years, the, the way fortunes were made, whether it was Joe Kennedy in the 20s, whether it was um, uh, uh, John Templeton during World War II, whether it was uh, the value guys in the 70s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whether it was the tech wreck in, in 2001 to 2003 that we covered last week, whether it was the Great Depression, and now the K-Web uh, China internet crash, all of these 80% crashes, um, maximum points of pessimism, if you looked out, they were generational buying opportunities. When sentiment gets this bad and um, uh, unrest gets this bad, like, this is blood in the streets. This is an opportunity, and, uh, and there's always an inflection when pain gets this acute sooner or later. It was a little later than we expected this time, but I think we're there in, in right now. Uh, China and U.S. negotiate on-site audit checks as delistings loom. This was last overnight. This was a big deal. Talks on bringing the PCAOB inspection team to China are now ongoing. So they're basically saying, all right, you can look at our books. We need to stay listed in New York. We need to be able to raise capital because capital is fleeing like crazy out of China. Uh, On-site inspections are the first step to complying with the U.S. law. So you can read this here at Bloomberg. That was really good news overnight. But less emphasized than the China's Politburo ignites market rally with vows on growth. Unusual midday announcement provides relief for stocks in Yuan. Top leaders promise to guarantee supply chains and logistics. Uh, promise to boost stimulus and contain the country's worst COVID outbreak since 2020. Issuing a sweeping set of pledges that was light on details, but enough to spark steep gains in Yuan in stocks in the Yuan. Values by the Communist Politburo to meet growth targets and support the, quote, healthy development of tech platform companies fueled a more than 5% gain on the Hang Seng. At the same time, a renewed commitment to COVID-0 raised doubts about the government's ability to achieve that. This COVID-0 is going to go away, whether it's from the cases rolling over or from the pressure. Uh, they got to stop it. They got to take their foot off the brake. They, they've now done the gas and, um, and moving right along. Alibaba JD. Uh, lead rally in China ADRs on Beijing growth vow, vow. The Golden Dragon Index, which is like China Tech, jumped 8.2% overnight. Um, China promised uh, to boost growth. And considering the macro environment, was there anything else here? Okay. Um, okay, yeah. Deliver on economic targets and support healthy growth of internet platform companies. A complete about faced, they blinked. Uh, according to the statement following, there's about to speed up implementation of supportive measures, including tax cuts, fee reductions, while sticking to COVID zero policy. I, I think that last part's going to be taken out sooner than when you, we know. China plans reprieve. Oh, this was a Wall Street Journal exclusive. China plans reprieve for tech giants, including delaying new rules as economy slows. So all the regulations they put in place, they say, eh, we're going to get rid of those. With Omicron variant battering the China economy, authorities are moving to pause regulatory campaign against the technology sector. This is it, folks. This is what we've been waiting for. Don't be fooled by Baba only being up 7% when the Dow was down 1,000 today. Uh, it, you know, open up 12%. As soon as the you know, end-of-month nonsense headwinds go... Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. And then the last piece will be the COVID zero uh, getting wiped out. 
So um, regulators are planning to hold off on new rules that limit the y time young people spend on mobile apps, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can read this at the Wall Street Journal. I have it posted on the site. It, um, go to hedgefundtips.com. While you're there, click on terms. This is all opinion, not advice, as always. Um, but also make sure you get your email so you get the daily emails, be in the know. Uh, every day we post you know, 10 to 30 articles that we're reading. And um, uh, so I think you're getting the message of what happened overnight. This is big, big news. Now I wanna go into commodities real quick, uh, just to give you an idea, because I think we're, you know, I've been, we've been talking about inflections of bonds, et cetera, and peak inflation. Let's just do a quick review. Generally with the green line are commercials. Those are the ones you wanna follow. They tend to get ahead of trends. Um, and here they've been uh, buyers, just like they were the last time before the big rally. They were buyers, you got a monster rally. A rally in bonds means a compression of yields. They've been massive buyers the last few months. I think we're gonna to start to see this bottom. Maybe it'll have to base for a while, but the key is the rate of change. Yields stop going up, it's gonna change the composition. Back out of cyclicals, everyone chased it after they were up to 300% in Q1. Now they're cracking. Uh, they were all puking out of tech. I think they're going to want to buy tech in a slowing growth environment with yields stopping to go up. Just to put it in perspective with people saying, well, multiples are still going to compress. In 2018, the 10-year yield peaked at 325. We're at 291 right now. Multiples were still expanded. And in January of 2014, yields peaked at 303. Again, we're below both of those levels. Tech was doing fine during both of those periods. Um, so, uh, so I, I think there's opportunity here in, on the value side. Moving right along, we have um, stock markets poised to rebound as corporate buybacks return. That's uh, from Marco Kalanovic talking about as uh, companies report. Now they can go back in the market and buy stock. By the way, that's Google, 70 billion. That's Microsoft. Uh, they think they did 25 billion last quarter dividends and buybacks, they, they, that was an increase of, um, uh, anyways, it, it was a big increase. All of them have announced big buybacks. I think you're gonna see it all across the board from FANG. They can start to do that a few days after reporting, so we should see them step in next week. Last week saw the largest outflows from equity since the start of this year. That means uh, people are panicking out. When everyone's on one side of the boat, we usually wanna panic in, uh, take the other side of that trade. And we saw a taste of it yesterday. It couldn't hold with the month end. But look at this from my buddy T. Ho Birkin over on uh, uh, Twitter. You should follow him. There are plenty of acts. New loans over the last three months have totaled 8 trillion RMB. That's 1 trillion US dollars. That is huge. It takes several months for them to feed in the economy. Plus, they're currently a harsh lockdown. In 6 to 12 months, the economy will be going gangbusters. And he's absolutely right, T. Ho. This is loans in China. Uh, look at the amount of loans. This is like enormous. This is uh, the biggest amount since uh, right after the great financial crisis stimulus. I mean, this is huge. And I guess the last time was right during COVID and they had a monster rally uh, out of that into 2021. Then they let, put their foot off the gas and now they jammed it back up. And they had the same thing after the great financial crisis. They let up market corrected and they jammed it up and they got a sustainable rally. So this is, this is huge from Tiho. Thanks for posting that. Um, okay, let's go sector by sector here just to see what's going on with the general market because I know a lot of people are probably tuning in after seeing the market down. Uh, 900 points on the Dow. Uh, 
I can't see the S&P right now. Um, okay, so uh, this is communication services. We think there's some opportunities here. Amazon, give it a few days and see how it uh, pans out. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we'll cover that, but the basic thing was the stock hasn't done anything in uh, like a year and a half actually. Uh, so, but the underlying business has grown. The multiple is high, but it's always been high because they have the CapEx. Um, I think that might be worth looking at. I have better conviction with some of the others we've already talked about, but this is all you need to know about these sectors. And these are top weights in the sectors. These are periods where you want to be a buyer, not a seller. If you do the overlay, uh, you'll see that uh, these levels are, are near inflection points every single time, whether it was 2011 during the Euro debt crisis, 2015-16 during one of the China problems and the oil problem uh, during 2018, and now uh, during the COVID pandemic, and now these are your your chances of success dramatically increase when everyone's puking out and, and they're getting the, of these points of max pessimism. So that would be communication services, NASDAQ composite, uh, energy's just cracking and rolling over. So that's got more, more downside to go. We've talked about that for weeks. Same with financials. I think that's got more downside to a little more. I mean, I look at some of these like Citibank trading at a discount to book. I might get interested again, but I'm not there yet. Um, uh, healthcare, uh, Signal, we had a great run, by the way, and we used a lot of those profits to increase up our, um, our um, BABA, which is now 20, 22.92. We went up to close to 300 basis points on the options, which means we'll now have, I think we went 2,900 or something. I don't have it written down. I was talking to Carter about it today. Um, I didn't write it down. But at the end of the day, uh, above, once BABA is back above 105, which I think got up to like 102 or 103 this morning already, um, that'll take our blended because we'll be in the money, which means we can exercise if we choose through December, we control it above 105. I think it's going to be well above 105. Um, that'll take our basis down to the low 120s all in when you consider the stock because the options now are going to control 150% more than the stock that we controlled uh, at 105. So effectively, our real risk uh, is 23, call it 23%. Our, um, in my view, the only real risk is the 3% because the 20% is time. Like buying the business at this price, I don't consider that risk. It's just time arbitrage. The risk is the options have a, a fuse, but they're at low enough strikes now. I think now about 950. Remember, we bought the originals at 840 something, then we bought some at 1050, and then we topped up. Uh, will be our biggest position ever in history. Uh, and a basis, I mean, a basis anywhere below 150. Now that we're in the low 120s, once we're over 150 and, the, and those options are in the money, it's unbelievable considering where we started and how we've stuck with this thing. So any rewards that we get uh, cumulatively as a community, we damn deserve. We've been through hell and back and it's going to be worth it. So we're excited about that. Um, all right. So uh, industrial sector, not yet. Uh, Infotech, that's, that's where we are again. It's, it's down where, at these levels where it paid. Uh, materials, eh. NASDAQ again, down at these levels. I just like everything about value NASDAQ and value tech, and uh, no one's really focused on it yet. 
Um, so I just wanted to kind of show you some of the things that I look at on that front. Hope that's helpful. Let's look at some of the broad indicators and it's going to point to the same things. First of all, here's the uh, put call ratio 10 DMA. You know, when it gets this elevated, you're usually near inflections. These are bottoms, 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 bottoms. So um, could it go higher? Yeah, but mm, you know, you got to play probabilities. Here's the 1% uh, EMA and advanced decline ratio of the NASDAQ. This thing is worse than the pandemic, making the same type of bottom and then it took off. It's trying to bottom here. Um, NASDAQ cumulative volume ratio, same thing. Uh, same thing on the declining issues tricks, same thing on the NASDAQ Cohen high-low. Just places you want to be a buyer versus a seller, historically, probabilistically. Anything can happen, but you know, you look at down at these levels, just the sentiment is totally washed out, and it just creates opportunities for people like us and people in this audience that uh, like to make money from other people's emotionalism uh, and uh, forced liquidations. This is the National Association of Active Investment Managers. Uh, managers got down to 46% this week, so they're going to have to chase up any strength. They're puking. They're, they're just as scared as the retail traders. This is the PMO buy all I told you. Again, probabilistically, when it gets down to zero, you're better off being a buyer than a seller. Uh, historically, um, so some of these things like the Dow doesn't look oversold enough for me yet, but the NASDAQ does. So that's in line with our general thesis, and I think that's going to play out nicely uh, in coming weeks. This is the NASDAQ McClellan. Again, these are the points. Um, McClellan summation. All right, so it took a breather here. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in coming weeks. So I think those are all the key indicators I wanted to look at. Uh, And that's the VIX, looks like a spike level here too. All right, moving right along. Um, this was on CNBC last week, um, Squawk Box Asia, and uh, uh, Presley cut this out today, and um, it's getting a lot of 1,800 views because it's the what I was talking about to you on this podcast weeks ago, every time the Hang Sang has traded at a discount to book, Good things happen, and here's uh, what I was talking about. I can't put up the volume here, but you can just go to Twitter. 1998, the Hang Seng traded at a discount to book. Uh, 17 months later, it was up 156%. 2008 crisis, 21 months, it was up 110%. 2016 crisis, 23 months later, it was up 82%. In the COVID crisis, 11 months later, it was up 36%. And we traded at a discount to book. I think we're going to be up meaningfully uh, in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, this was the gap fill uh, from our chief market technician chart. Well, what do they call that? Certified market technician or CMT or something like that. So there you go. Uh, Yellen says inflation may have peaked. We agree. Uh, we'll talk about some of the numbers. This is from Ryan Dietrich. For those of you worried about the general market, S&P has corrected 13% this year. Average since uh, probably 14 more than that, probably 14% today. Average since 1980 has corrected every year 14%. Note, 21 years since 1980 have pulled back at least 10%. 12 of those times stocks came back and finished the year higher. Uh, in fact, up 17% on average at the end of those 12 times. Bespoke shows margin debt year on year. This reminds me a lot of uh, 2012 period 
which is also similar in terms of rates and that type of thing. You had the huge spike of margin debt out of the great financial crisis. Everyone chased out of pandemic. Everyone chased, rolled back over, and then you took off again for another couple of years into 2014. So keep an eye on that. Boeing, we covered, they just, that's just going to take patience. They crap the bed, but they have no competition. Like you could literally put a ham sandwich to run the business and still sell planes. Apparently this ham sandwich has no slices of bread because they just can't figure it out, but they will, or they'll be replaced. But it's been devastation after devastation. We actually added some long dated options from the Cigna profits this week, uh, just to take advantage. Like when you see the quality on sale like that, it's like, you got to just you know, add a little bit because Boeing's not going anywhere, but they're trying to kill it. It's just like Xi Jinping's trying to kill the Chinese economy. Eventually he figured out working 24 seven, he couldn't destroy it. So he might as well build it back up. I think they're going to figure out the same thing with Boeing. This is all self-inflicted wounds, but uh, you know, they've worked full time to destroy the company. They weren't successful. So now it's time to build it up with or without new management. Uh, Boeing aims for defense buildup. New chief of the plane makers military unit is tasked with reversing recent program problems as government's defense spending ramps up. In other words, we all know government uh, defense spending around the world is going to go through the roof in coming years and Boeing's figuring out, yeah, we want to get a piece of that action. Let's stop screwing up. Uh, that's probably a good place to start. Defense stocks beat global market on expectations of higher spending. Boeing now wants a piece of that pie. Amazon stock stink, sinks, that stinks, okay, sinks and stinks. Uh, this part of its business could help shares fly again. This is from Jack Denton. He usually writes decent stuff about uh, Alibaba. Um, this one, he's talking about the cloud business, which by the way, grew 37% year on year. We think AliCloud is gonna be able to continue to grow at that pace, if not more, because they're five years behind. The digitization of the China's economy is five years behind the US. They're just getting started with Ali unquote Ali Cloud. Uh, and then the second is their advertising business did fine, even though the retail, they kind of created over capacity to keep up with COVID and now they're digesting all the investment that they made. The, the two core parts of the future, the ad business and the uh, AWS cloud did quite fine, uh, quite uh, did fine. Um, this is interesting. Auto giant Magna crushes earnings, but the stock's down. There aren't enough cars. So they sell parts for the cars to the OEMs. The OEMs can't make cars because they don't have semiconductors. Uh, uh, you know, we're taking a hard look at the auto parts business because there are some businesses that COVID created generational buying opportunities that will never exist again, at least not for, you know, another cycle and you know 30 some odd years these are once in like long time opportunities uh, uh charlie munger uh turned so the last time the auto parts cycle was this bad was 2003. charlie munger saw an article in barons by the way he took 15 million dollars in and bought tenneco uh at like I, I don't know two or three bucks long story short he turned the 15 million into 80 million and then he gave the 80 million to Li Lu uh, to invest in Chinese stocks and Li Lu turned it into 500 million over a decade or something like that. So two moves and uh, half a billion dollars from you know a relatively modest stake. So um, this sector is setting up similarly and the question is, how long is it going to take to get the semiconductors? I think it's going to be like oil. It doesn't come and then it comes all at once. And I think the same thing is going to be with the semiconductors. Despite Gensler, who got paid $140 million to do nothing last year, 
um, not Gensler. Um, anyway, the CEO of Intel, uh, it's been a long week. Um, Gelsinger, um, uh, got, you know, paid $140 million to talk and, you know, he'll produce it. He'll turn it around. We like Intel. We like it more on weakness. Uh, but you know, he's got to start delivering and he did on certain fronts. He's, he's going to do the, the five nodes in four, five nodes in four years. He's got one done. So that's good. Um, but you know, when you look at airlines, when you look at where oil stocks were in 2020, when we were pounding the table, where banks were, these were once in 30 year opportunities that we took advantage of after they're up 300%, everyone wanted them. Now they're rolling over. I think that, uh, China stocks certainly were that opportunity. We think biotech is certainly that opportunity. I think biotech, I think the weight on biotech lately has been because of the ARC, the such pessimism over ARC. She owns uh, a bunch of biotech stocks, but the problem is, is there's a big difference between owning a basket of biotech stocks and a basket of stocks, other stocks that make no money. Biotech stocks have never made money okay, on balance. So you're basically buying a bunch of lottery tickets. And, um, you know, if you buy a big enough basket, 30 to 100 lottery, enough of them hit where they go from zero revenue to 6 billion to 10 billion because one of their drugs hits. And very few people are good enough to pick the perfect drug that's going to get approved. So if you buy a basket, you've got enough buy. But when you buy the basket of lottery tickets, you buy the basket of lottery tickets, when it's depressed, when it's meaningfully depressed, like it is right now, when you look at lowest price to sales in a decade, uh, lowest price to books in you know, 1986, lowest price to free cash flow, lowest forward PE, all of those metrics. Um, so you know that you're buying the basket of lottery tickets at the right time. So it's okay that they don't earn money because they've never earned money. But when, so there are asymmetric catalysts to the upside in that basket of lottery tickets. That is not the case buying 30 uh, companies that are losing money generally. There is no catalyst that's going to take Zoom's revenues up 10x in the next 12 months. There is no catalyst that's going to take Teladoc's revenues up 10x in the next 12 months. There is no catalyst that's going to take half of these companies that are, are non-income uh, generating companies um, revenues up 10x. So that's why biotech that don't make money are different from stocks trading at 20 times sales that don't make money because biotechs do have those binary catalysts. And when you have a big enough basket and you buy them at a low enough uh, pricing, historic pricing, uh, the same poppage happens, whether it's M&A or drug approvals, uh, but you're just getting that popping off a low base, which is why you get those uh, like the last tightening cycle when the XBI sold off 50% into the tightening cycle and then rose 140% throughout the tightening cycle from 2016 to 18, just like we saw the 50% sell off now, a couple more percent in, in this craziness the last month with uh, some of the innovation stock pressure because they're getting liquidated. Um, uh, but I think you're going to see the same type of thing. The rate fears are over, rates will stabilize, and then you're going to see a broom right back into this into biotech and we're going to have a run simultaneously with both biotech and um and china tech which are two biggest biggest positions so uh so anyway the point of this is uh start to look here we are building a material company in a position in a uh company that was a very big company that's now a very uh, small company that's going to go back to being a very big company it's all going to be dependent on 
when the semis come because once the manufacturers have cars, they have the business and they've got a ton of the business and it's that operating leverage. And if you look at the and if you look at their debt schedule, uh, my initial instinct when that t happens is go buy the bonds. The bonds must be trading at 20 or 30 cents. The bonds are trading at over par because they're more than capitalized with cash and credit lines that they can draw from. It exceeds the amount of debt that first tranche of debt that they have to pay over two years out. Uh, so when that operating leverage kicks, when the semis come in and the new cars come, some of these companies in the auto parts, these are going to be the next Tenecos of the world. Uh, we'll probably have more to say about that, but we, we usually only talk about large cap stocks because um, it doesn't matter if, you know, 400 people on the call buy a large cap stock, they're not really going to move it. This is a smaller company, but start to look at that sector. There are opportunities there. I'm telling you, that's our next thing after uh, China and, uh, and biotech. Uh, MasterCard's earnings handily beat expectations. Spending on travel is the driver. We've talked about the consumer is still strong. So don't get caught into all this gloom and doom, especially you saw Google's uh, core business services up 21%. Uh, Metastock is roaring after earnings. Here's what's behind the big move. That's more uh, daily active users. Their reels business is getting rocking again. ServiceNow stock is flying as companies keep spending. This is key. This is what's coming up. This is all the basket of, of uh, kind of SAS got thrown in with the innovation stocks like CRM, which is generating cash, which is Salesforce, like ServiceNow. Microsoft, we saw the spending was huge. Azure was huge. Cloud was huge. Record-setting numbers. So enterprise spending hasn't changed. Why? Because the only way to bring down costs is to automate processes. The way you automate processes is enterprise spend. So I think a lot of these SaaS stocks that got battered, which is battered the NASDAQ, uh, are going to start to get bid. We're seeing it with ServiceNow uh, results. We saw it with Microsoft results. Let's get through these bumpy few days with the Fed meeting. And, um, and I think these, these things are going to start to get bid and bid in a material way. Europe is stepping up its defense spending. Okay, that, we've talked about that. Nokia stock rises. A strong 5G demand leads to an earnings beat. We've talked about that stock before. That's a small one for us. Um, U.S. GDP. Okay, we covered the GDP. Heartache on the dance floor, stock market, and sentiment results. By the way, for any of you uh, listening on the podcast, you'll get cut off in seven minutes. Just go to hedgefundtips.com, and you can scroll down here to uh, videocast, and it will come right up. Fast forward to minute 60. You will fin pick up word for word exactly where you left off, and if you want to go back and, re and view some of the charts that you missed, definitely go do that. But um, I love this song. Uh, by John Party. As a matter of fact, I just booked my wife and I to go see him in September after doing this article. Um, but this is what everyone feels like lately in the stock market. That was that a friend of mine owns the local semi-pro hockey team in the rink in Connecticut, and he uh, put axe throwing in at the bar, and that's, uh, that's exactly what people want to do. This is what it felt like in the last couple weeks holding equities. Uh, you'll see here. This guy gets knocked over the boards into the uh, guest uh, bench. <laughs> Nothing worse than that. And if that wasn't a vivid enough picture, this is a golfer. I've uh, started playing again at the club, and uh, that's what it feels like from time to time. I'm sure I'll be doing that in my first few rounds. So, uh, okay, we went through this. Uh, in 2017, John Party released Heartache on the Dance Floor. It peaked at number three and five on the Billboard Country Airplay and Hot Country Songs. 
charts respectively. It also reached 47 on the hot 100. While not a perfect metaphor for the recent stock market climate, it's pretty darn close. So many companies and sectors now trading down at big discounts, but unwilling to bounce yet. Uh, play that song. It's a good song. So while it's a heartache eyeing these undervalued stocks that don't yet want to recover, we need to bear in mind the wisdom of Cody Johnson in his recent, in his recent hit, Till You Can't. It's almost like he's related to Charlie Munger. Because it says, if you got a chance, take it. Take it while you got a chance. If you got a dream, chase it. Because a dream won't chase you back. <laughs> and if you listen to this song, it's actually a very touching song. It's like saying, if you have a time to go fishing with your dad, or you know, rebuild an engine with your granddad, or etc., uh, take it because there will come a day when the opportunity no longer exists. And there, you know, I think that day is coming very soon for for China Tech. I think that opportunity is going to come very soon for biotech uh, and then some others, just like the opportunity came and went in banks in 2020 and energy in 2020. And now in 2022, after they're all up two and 300 percent, everyone wanted them. And sure enough, they're, they're opening the trap door on them. Uh, and they already did on many of the names. So um, the general's last stand, they stood up to the battle and uh, they did quite well. That was uh, some notes from Elite, the interview with Alicia. You can look at some of the breakdown here. Uh, sentiment washout. This was about the Twitter thing. Uh, that was good. These earnings actually went up. Okay, so this is what I was originally supposed to speak to Yahoo about before the Twitter deal announced. We talked about uh, bad news. You know, we had the inversion. The good news is that stock market can and should still make new highs in coming months, predominantly driven by earnings. Uh, now at 2.30, multiple below the five-year average as of today. Um, and, uh, and then we'll probably worry about a shallow recession next year as the tightening catches up with the general economy. But for now, the economic surprise index, highest level in over a year. You're seeing it here. That was just two days ago at 70. Uh, factory activity is ramping up, not down. That's a positive sign. And then this is the magic chart with bonds holding the long-term trend line. This is sentiment on bonds. Every time it's gotten this low, you get a bounce. Uh, or you're near a major low into bidding, which we covered on the commercials. Uh, this is from macro charts, so really good job there. And, uh, and what, what's to buy when, uh, when the tide changes and a yield stock going up? Value tech, China tech, biotech. Uh, and we've covered that over and over. We also talked about how when people were this overweight commodities, February 2011, within eight weight weeks, it completely rolled over, trap door opened, etc. Uh, this is Tiho's chart on the sentiment. AAII bulls got completely washed out. When it gets down to these levels, six months later on average up 12.5%, 12 months later on average 20%. Also from Ryan Dietrich, you know, just shows the bullish sentiment washed out. Here was the 20 minute interview about Elon Musk uh, with Kinsey Grant. Uh, <laughs> trade to level says you drop five or six mics during that interview. <laughs> Great job. So if you like Musk, listen to that. You'll have a lot of laughs. Uh, and then this was the sentiment today got down to 16.4. So, uh, you know, it couldn't get any sentiments completely washed out. And these, these are buy levels, not sell levels. If you're selling in the hole like this, then you're not cut out for this business. That's really what it comes down to. Here's another visual on the AAII bull bear spread. Uh, these are buy times you want to be buying. Again, nothing's guaranteed in life, but these are probabilistic, and, and you got to you got to place your bets when the when the odds are in your favor. Fear and greed got down to 29. My guess is it's in the low 20s today. Uh, this dropped to 45, so managers will have to chase up, and that's that. Um, 
So we did that. Here's the uh, data on Yahoo that Dominic Chu is going through this morning. Uh, basically, the stock has done nothing in one, two years, Amazon. So you're buying the, one of the best businesses in the world. You got to wrap, you know, back out the CapEx so you can understand what the cash flow is. Uh, it's probably cheap here. I'd give it a few days to settle out because it was kind of like a panicking into the close. Uh, but th there, there's probably going to be opportunity here for the long term in, in coming days. Um, he put a couple other good things here. Oh, this is a good visual. So this is the Amazon's average forward PE. So it's near the bottom, bottom end of the range. This probably came down today. I mean, the bare bones bottom is when it gets to about 50 or so over the last five years. It has traded as high as 180 uh, when they're doing more investment. They've been doing serious investment in the last two years and the multiple is still low. It gives you an idea of how much cash they're generating. So it's towards that bottom of the range. There might be a little more to go here, but that, that did a decent job of putting it in perspective. And he also pointed that it went from a $1.9 trillion company at its peak last year to a $1.3 trillion company today, which means it lost a whole Facebook on this rate fear period when many of these stocks have actually sold off, uh, had multiple compression on rate fears, which I think are now nearing a peak. Uh, here's the earnings. We hit the 230.09. For those of you who listen to me on a regular basis, I've been pounding the drum on that number. We finally hit it. And sure enough, just like with Cigna, if you remember, uh, we finally hit the 270 and uh, took some profits there. And we'll take some out.